where Jesus appears to them. Then Thomas shows up later after Jesus has gone, and they tell him, we've seen the Lord. He said, I'm not going to believe it unless I get to touch him and see him. And so Jesus reappears to Thomas, and Thomas touches him and believes, puts his hands and the wounds in his side and, and the wounds in, in his hands and feet. And so for Thomas, seeing is believing. And then this week's story on this road to Emmaus, these followers who had been in Jerusalem, had seen Jesus crucified, had their hopes dashed when they thought he would be an earthly king and then he hung on the cross and died. This is Easter morning, a little bit later in the morning, just for your context. They were leaving Jerusalem and going home to Emmaus. And they had their doubts as well. In spite of the fact that they had been there when the women had come from the tomb and, and said, the stones rolled away and his body's not there. And there was an angel sitting on top of the stone and, and the angel told us, he's not here, he's risen. And in spite of the fact that John and Peter ran to the tomb and, and saw from, for themselves, came back, Cleopas and his companion didn't believe. They doubted. And they're walking home on the road to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're bummed out. They're sad, they're confused, they're heartbroken because they've lost hope in the one who they thought was going to be the ruling Messiah King. Doubt's kind of a theme the last two weeks. Do you ever doubt? Do you have doubts? I know I do. So let's talk about that for a minute, about what's happening in the story and, and about our own doubts. Father Michael, last week when he was, when we were looking together at the Doubting Thomas story, he said a few things about doubt. And I took notes, and I want to share a couple of those things that he shared with you because they're pertinent to our story today that we're looking at. Father Michael on doubt. You could write a book. Father Michael on doubt. First of all, doubt is the presence of uncertainty, Michael told us. And that faith is not necessarily the absence of doubt. One of my favorites, little nuggets that he said last week, is that doubt is a refiner of our faith. Uh, the doubts that we experience refine and hone our walk with God, our faith. And that doubt often involves the question, what does all this mean? And I'm quite certain Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus, that question was burning within them. What does all this mean? They were walking. It's about a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And, and from my experience of walking the Camino on rugged roads, um, although my shoes were better than I'm sure they were in those days, it takes two to four hours, depending on how fast you walk in the terrain, to go seven miles. So 
it's a, you know, two to four hour walk that they're taking. And as they walk along, Jesus, who hasn't revealed himself to them as Jesus, starts walking with them. As they're thinking, what does all this mean? They don't believe the eyewitness reports, they're puzzled, and their hopes are dashed. When Jesus appears, they can't believe that this guy hasn't heard of all that's transpired in the last three days. So they tell of their dashed hopes, and they say, we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. They're headed home. The faith in the one who they'd hoped would redeem Israel, unbeknownst to them, is walking right alongside them. Right in the midst of their doubts. And they don't recognize him. So Jesus schools them. He starts walking them through all of the Torah, from Moses through all the prophets. And he explains all those passages that point to the events of Jesus' life and the resulting crucifixion and resurrection and the fact that he would be risen from the dead. Jesus walks with them in their heartache, in their lost hopes, in their questions, explaining through the written word of God from start to finish. As they arrive in the village of Emmaus, Jesus makes to continue walking, but Cleopas and his companion, which many scholars believe is his wife, invite Jesus to stay with them in their home and provide hospitality to the stranger they met on the road. And so Jesus goes to their home with them, and they put out some food. And these followers of Jesus, who weren't probably in the upper room, but most likely sat with Jesus at many meals and were there for the feeding of the 5,000 and and saw Jesus do miracles and healings and heard his teachings at table in Emmaus. Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and the scales fall from their eyes. They recognize him finally. In the action of gratitude, a blessing and breaking they finally recognize it's Jesus. Thomas needed Jesus' physical touch. Cleopas and his wife needed the backstory. They needed the facts, man. They needed to hear it all. They needed the study to recognize who this person was. And after their three or four hour walk, still not understanding who Jesus is, it took gratitude, thanksgiving prayer, 
and the breaking of bread, something that they'd seen him do repeatedly as they followed him in his three-year journey, preaching, teaching, healing, loving, forgiving, extending grace to all. Their doubt, like Thomas's, is replaced by faith. Their despair is replaced with hope. Have you had, personally, such an experience where you had doubts, where your faith wavered, where you felt God wasn't with you, where you felt confusion because you thought you had it figured out, and then things didn't go the way you'd planned. I imagine if I asked for a show of hands, most hands would go up. Doubt is a very human experience. And questioning and wondering and having our hopes dashed. We all experience that. I want to share a, a personal story about one such event in, in my life, and it involves with Dave's and my story. When Dave and I got the call um, to go to seminary, there was a process um, in place where we spent a couple of years here discerning the call to seminary with committees, and, and eventually we got the yes from the committees and we got the yes from the diocese because it really is a call, not just that comes to someone personally, but also corporately. The church needs to agree with that call. So we, we went off to seminary in 2004 and Dave, prior to um, going to seminary, was a very gifted physical therapist. He, um, when he went to physical therapy school in his mid-20s, he raced through 20 months of very intensive schooling, aced his exams, uh, also aced his exams to be an athletic trainer, which he was at USC never struggled with the academia portion of, of his profession. But when we got to seminary, he struggled mightily. He, uh, he didn't pass Greek the first time, and Greek was a requirement for graduation and ordination. He had difficulty writing papers and remembering, and in retrospect, the Alzheimer's had probably already started. We just didn't know it yet. So fast forward, we got, we graduated from seminary in three years. Thanks be to God. We, we were ordained as transitional deacons and then ordained priests six months later, which is the practice here in our diocese, and were assigned to churches out in the Inland Empire, three of them. And as we served out there, Dave struggled more and more. Um, he was having trouble writing sermons. He was having trouble delivering them. He was having trouble remembering people's names. People would come to him with pastoral concerns, and he'd forget to tell me, and we wouldn't show up when someone was having surgery or when someone's mom would need a call from us because her husband had died. 
a myriad of things. So a lot of things were going poorly. And, one, and Dave was diagnosed in 2010, three years after we were ordained. When he started going downhill, I was on a walk. It was my walk to Emmaus. I was on a walk, and I'm not shy about sharing with God how I feel. <laughs> and I was really giving it to him. I was asking all the why questions. God, why would you have Dave go through this painful experience of seminary and be challenged on so many levels and have so many hits to his ego? Why would you put him through that for him to only get to really practice as a priest for such a short period of time and then experience this decline and the frustration and the heartbreak of not being able to do what he knew he was called to do. So I was really giving it to God, you know. It's not fair. Why? And finally, once I wound down, which it takes me a while, um, once I wound down, I listened. And as I walked, it was as if Jesus appeared and was walking right next to me and was talking to me. It was very clear what I heard. And what I heard was, Karen, <laughs> what would have happened had David continued, <clears throat> excuse me, continued as a physical therapist, self-employed physical therapist, and not gone into the priesthood. I'll tell you what would have happened, Karen. He wouldn't have the financial security that he now has because of the church pension fund. He wouldn't get disability, and he wouldn't get the help that is needed in order to keep both of you financially secure. You would be in a situation where, without church pension, your finances would be in a mess. Not only that, Karen, Dave also had the joy of getting to practice this call for a period of time. And I gave him that joy. And I've given you this financial boon, this financial security that you would not have had had David not become a priest. It was as clear as a bell. And my doubt turned to belief. My heartache became joy. My despair was replaced with hope because even though my life experience had taught me that God was with me through the hard things, repeatedly hard things that I'd already had happen in my life. Of course, I was doubting once again in this situation. 
But once again, God showed me that God is completely reliable. And that, not only that, but God can handle my doubts. Jesus isn't afraid of my doubts, so I shouldn't be either. Cleopas and Thomas and Cleopas's companion, they got to see Jesus in person. And I'm here to tell you I did too. I did too. And what that experience did for me was to recognize that Jesus enters into our unbelief, into our doubt, walks with us, has compassion for us when we're experiencing those hard moments. Now, this is not to say that every time we're experiencing one of those moments, we're going to get an, an immediate answer. I've had plenty of times in my life where I haven't gotten an immediate answer like I did that day. But our faith journey teaches us that Jesus is with us even when we don't recognize him, right? Cleopas and his companion who had spent time with Jesus, they didn't recognize him. Some at the tomb didn't recognize him until something he did or something that was said helped them recognize Jesus. But I, I want to assure you, and I hope you can tap into that assurance that Jesus is always with us, whether we feel it or not. Whether we feel God's presence, whether we feel like our hopes are dashed or whether we're feeling joyful, Jesus is always with us. And it's in the sharing of the stories, sharing Thomas's story, sharing Cleopas's and his wife's story, sharing my story about Dave, sharing your story about when something happened to you where at some point you recognized that God was with you. It's in sharing those stories that we grow and we learn that even when we're in a tough time, God is with us. And the result is that we share the good news with each other because that builds our faith. And, and maybe the next time when we're doubting or struggling or feeling hopeless or afraid or alone or fill in the blank, <coughs> maybe the next time we'll go, Lord, I have no idea what's going on. I'm in pain. I'm struggling. Where the heck are you? But we'll also know, I know, Lord, that you're here. I know that you're with me, and I know somehow this is going to work out. I want to teach you a little song. It's a walking song. It comes from Africa. And, um, and I sometimes, I, I, it's a praying song, and I sometimes use my Anglican rosary when I sing this song. So I decided I didn't bring it in the other two services, but I thought I'd bring it in today for this one. And, and the song's really simple, so I'm going to sing it through, <clears throat> hopefully get through it, and then I want you to join me. If you know this song, some of you probably do, join me right away. And it's a walking song, and it helps me when I'm struggling with my belief, okay? So it goes like this. 
If you believe and I believe and we together pray, the Holy Spirit must come down and set God's people free. And set God's people free. And set God's people free. The Holy Spirit must come down and set God's people free. If you believe and I believe and we together pray, the Holy Spirit must come down and set God's people free. And set God's people free. And set God's people free. The Holy Spirit must come down and set God's people free. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.